This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Helena Harris from the Stall and Stable podcast in Little Compton, Rhode Island. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 17th, episode number 2642. This episode is brought to you by Stateline Tech. Happy St. Patrick's Day, horse people! For hundreds of years, the island of Ireland has celebrated St. Patrick's Day. And while this year things will be a little quieter on our streets, in our castles, along our coastlines, there is always one place where the celebrations will never cease. In here. It's a testament to the renowned Irish spirit, a spirit that has spread to every corner of the globe. So, however you mark the occasion, always remember that no matter where you are in the world, as long as you have a piece of Ireland in your heart, you are celebrating with us. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Well, I wonder if the bars are going to be quite as full. In Florida, they will be. They'll be packed here. <laughs> Just it doesn't matter because that was 45 seconds of Liam Neeson. <laughs> and, <laughs> that is every, true. That is everything true. is okay. That is true. Yeah, so uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. And uh, I'm wearing my green shirt. Are you wearing anything green? Um, yes, I'm wearing a green and white striped shirt. Oh, there you go. We're we're covered today. We are covered. Hey, Helena's here in the house filling in for Jamie, who's on vacation down in Hilton Head. She posted pictures yesterday. Looks like they're having a great time. So thank you for filling in. My pleasure. Of course, this brings back memories of the old days. I know. Uh, Helena and I started this mess together 12 years ago, so <laughs> here we are. We're still here. We, we, we're not smart enough to do anything else, so uh, here we are. We just have no. never left. We like this groove. I'm staying in it. Hey, EHV1 update. That's the way we're starting all the shows the last couple of weeks. I have some things for you, some good and some bad. Uh, the official toll of the European EHV1 outbreak is now officially 17, with the death of three more horses in Germany, two in Belgium, and an additional horse in Valencia, Spain, where it all started. Uh, six other countries, France, Sweden, Italy, Switzerland, Britain, and Qatar, have also confirmed cases now. The outbreak originated, as we had said, in Valencia at the show there, at the FEI event there. And uh, FEI is still holding that all shows will be shut down throughout Europe till April the 11th. Now, it's FEI shows. Uh, you can have local shows or uh, country-run shows, but uh, the FEI shows are all closed. And I wanted to remind everybody what the clinical signs were uh, uh, for EHV-1, nasal discharge, cough, a rectal temperature of greater than 38 Celsius or 101.5 Fahrenheit, enlarged lymph nodes, and the neurological signs, which is the kind that's really bad that we're talking about, uh, can include urinary and fecal incontinence, uh, penile prolapse, 
You'd see that in a lot of horses. A weak tail, uh, ataxia, or being unable to stand. So uh, those are the signs that you look for. And of course, they're the signs of a lot of other things too, just like COVID, right? I mean, it looks like a flu. So that's the same yeah. here. We've been comparing it to COVID because it is a lot like COVID. Um, I mean, viruses, you know, they're not that different from each other. <laughs> that is true, right. Florida officials indicated that they have no new cases since March the 10th, so that's good. However, mm-hmm. the California Department out there said that a facility in St. Bernardino County has two horses now that exhibited and have tested positive for EHV-1. At this time, the report is the gelding is alive and under veterinary care, and there's an uh, there's a second horse on the property that was exhibiting neurological signs, and that horse was euthanized. So they have come in contact, apparently, with 22 other horses, and uh, they've quarantined the whole place. It's a private facility, and apparently there was no recent movement on or off the property, so that's good. Um, So that's it for EHV-1 updates. Uh, Some good, some bad. Uh, More bad news. The Chincoteague Pony Swim is canceled for the second time. Uh, However, they're going to have the pony auction online like they did last year. I think one of our listeners bought one of the ponies online last year. Our Uh, listeners buy lots of stuff. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They buy lots of ponies and horses. Uh, So, you know, this is the big... I feel bad for them because this is the big fundraiser for the fire department every year. I mean, this is... They they live off of this money that comes in from tourists and otherwise, uh, but apparently they figured they just couldn't do it safely again. It'll um, and they're, so they're going to do the auction online. We'll talk about that. We cover this every year, and you know it's been kind of fun over the years, Selena, because uh, two or three of the years we had listeners who were in boats by the ponies who were talking to us at the time the ponies were swimming by. <laughs> so that's that's live reporting right there. Um, but I'm kind of excited to to see the online auction because I, you know I wouldn't be able to go if it was live this year. so um, hmm, I don't know maybe they'll make more money with the online auction. They did last year. That's what happened last year. Good. They, they did make more money there, but they make a lot of money, you know, with turrets coming in and spending money. <laughs> so True. They, right. they don't have that. That's the part they're missing. Uh, so coming up on today's show, our Equiderma guest of the week is eventer Molly Sherman. Uh, we catch up with uh, um, with Dr. Slovis from Haggard Vet Center, and we're going to talk about ulcers. You know, we make fun about ulcers and we joke about ulcers all the time being the thing that's the problem with every horse uh, in every th- every situation. But today we're actually going to talk seriously about ulcers in horses, and that was brought up by some of the auditors who were having problems with that, so I thought, well, it's time to bring that up. And we're also going to talk about Abe Lincoln's Old Bob. Yep, we're going to be talking Abe Lincoln today. But first, Daily Winnie's. I have a rare day, Helena, with no auditor birthdays. None. Oh. It's rare. But I do have a Daily Winnie. We were surprised in the mail yesterday. We opened this pack. We got this great big package, and we are like, who's this from? And it was from Angelina Cantrell. And she is one of our amazing listeners. And out of the blue, without any warning, she did a painting of Scooter and Nigel. Uh, she has a company called Pets, Paws, and Portraits. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes because it's kind of a long link. But I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can find it right there on your phone. It is this, this is it, which is it, watercolor, would you say? Yeah. It's a watercolor yeah. painting. And it's the picture I always take and post. And that is, I'm sitting in the cart. And I'm taking a picture of 
of the pony of Scooter in front of me, and then uh, Jennifer riding ahead. She always rides ahead. So she must have seen that picture a hundred times on my Facebook page, and that's the picture she painted. So it's Scooter's butt and Nigel's butt and everybody's butt, but it's the cutest picture. It's so adorable. She did a lovely job. I'm a big fan of watercolors to begin with, and I love the style that she portrayed this picture in. She did a really nice job. So much so that she got the... Scooter's harness is always a little cockeyed to the right, and you can see in this picture, it's cockeyed to the right. I'll post this picture in our show notes as well. It's cockeyed a little to the right, and Nigel has a crooked tail. His tail comes out a little bit to the right, and if you notice in this picture, Helena, his tail's a little bit to the right. She got it absolutely right, and Jennifer sits a little crooked too, and she got that right too. Don't tell her I said that. (laughs) But yeah, so she did a great job. Thank you so much. And we'll post a link to it if you guys want a a watercolor or a drawing of your horse uh, horse or dog or cat or whatever. She does that. And uh, I was really impressed. Thank you so much, Angelina. Knew nothing about that. Well, I have a Daily Winnie as well. And um, unfortunately, this one came rather easily to me. It's kind of a combination. Uh, I'm going to start with our good friend, Nikki Lambert. She's uh, all right. Our co-host of the WTF advice show and longtime listener. Um, Nikki was kind enough and Glenn was kind enough to lend an ear when I did a sort of this emotional dump on them the other day uh, via text message. So, you know, she had just checked in and said, Hey, how are you doing? And just saying hi, and I proceeded to write something along the lines of war and peace in terms of what a crap day I was having. (laughs) And um, she was just so good at at being there and saying, I hear you, I get it. And the the combination of this Winnie is, it's kind of what, it's the the model that Nikki is leading with, and that is the HRN Mental Health Auditors Group. And I know that a lot of us have been struggling lately and we just post in that group, whatever we're feeling, whether it's dark or whether it's light and happy. And for all of you, for all of the auditors in particular who support your fellow auditors in that group, thank you because we all really need it right now. And to know that our HRN family is out there just listening is worthy of a daily Winnie every day for the rest of the year. And I want, you know, a lot of our auditors may not know about that group. It's HRN Auditors Mental Health Support. You have to be an auditor to to access this group, and it's a private group. Uh, there's, what, about 70 in there now. So if you, if you would like to join that group and you're an auditor, just search for HRN Auditors Mental Health Support. There's some serious, be ready for some serious conversations because <laughs> there's some serious stuff going down in there. Um, but it's important stuff. And, uh, and you know, Helena, uh, through the years I've heard, uh, I've heard, I've been dumped on a few times. We've been through a lot <laughs> together and I've dumped on you a few times. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and like, you know, Glenn's like, are you, are you okay to co-host on Wednesday morning? I was like, this is my coping. This is HRN is my drug of choice. It's how I cope. <laughs> of course. We, you know, it was always our break in the week, no matter what we had going on. At that point, it was Stable Scoop you and I were doing together and it was just a break. It was just a two hours that we could think about something else, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So speaking and it, it, of, it pays us back. It does. It pays us back. Think about thinking about something else. You've been doing some clinics and things. So what's going on in the clinic front up there in Rhode Island? 
We've got lots of clinics planned for the Stall and Stable Pro Clinic Series that's happening in Rhode Island this year. We have, um, well, we have Chelsea Kennedy that's coming this Saturday, although we have a little bit of a question mark because of the EHV outbreak. And while we don't have any reported cases in either uh, Massachusetts or Rhode Island, there were a few in Brewster, New York, in upstate New York. And so one attendee's vet had suggested that they not come. Uh, it's a mini clinic, actually. So they're individual lessons with the clinician. Horses will not be congregating in groups. Everybody has a ride time. So we're working. In fact, I have a call into my veterinarian right now to find out what they recommend. Uh, so that's the first of the clinic series. And then we have Sinead Halpin, who's coming, Tick Maynard in the summer, Bernie Traurig, Emma Ford, and Don Jessup. Wow, you, so you really b- bumped it up this year. That's our lineup. Yeah, it was very well received. And um, there's nothing like that up your way, is there? Nobody doing no. a lot of clinics up there. There's one farm that's a little further north than us in Massachusetts. There's one in Maine. But Rhode Island gets overlooked pretty consistently. And and you really the, cover Connecticut too, right? Rhode Island, Connecticut, that area. Yeah. yeah. Matt, and I mean, we've got folks coming down from New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island. And every once in a while, we have someone come in from New York. Yeah. Um, the the idea, and then the barn that I've partnered with, Sapowit Stables, the owner, Kim, is very invested in making her facility a place of education. she That's kind of her goal, is I want my farm to be a place where people can come to get quality, balanced instruction, whether that's in horsemanship, grooming, um, on the ground, over jumps, cross country, whatever that may be. She she really wants to provide a, a place where people can come to learn. And how do so people I'm, find out about them? How do they? Oh, you can go to stallandstable.com and click on the Pro Clinics link. Well, good for you. I know you, you've you been wanting to do this for years. I'm glad you're finally getting it done. I and love it. And you started it. it in the middle of a pandemic, so good for you. <laughs> I, who knew? Well, we started before the pandemic actually hit, and we had to shuffle things around a little bit last year. But we made it work. Good. Cool. Very good. I'm, I'm glad. All right. Let's do, uh, let's do, do a fact of the day. <laughs> And now it's time for today's equestrian, who knew, fact of the day. So I saw a quote from Abraham Lincoln that said, I can make a general in five minutes, but a good horse is hard to replace. And that got me thinking about uh, Abraham Lincoln horse, who uh, is very famous and who I had researched once before a long time ago, but I thought I'd look a little deeper into old Bob. Yep, Old Bob or Old Robin, they're not quite sure. They think it was Old Bob, but uh, there's been some reference to Old Robin being the name. So we're going to go with Old Bob because that's the accepted one. He was a driving horse used by Abraham Lincoln during the period prior to his presidency when he was an attorney. Uh, Old Bob was born in 1849. He acquired Old Bob while practicing law in Springfield and used him as a carriage horse while traveling around to different places. Uh, Old Bob replaced Lincoln's other horse, Old Buck. I thought you'd like that. (laughs) What's your husband's name, by the way? Buck. (laughs) Old Buck. (laughs) You can tell him I said that. Uh, (laughs) He had become too old for regular use. I I think Helena's actually is okay for regular use at this point. But uh, (laughs) uh, but old 
Old Bob replaced Old Buck, and he was stabled in the barn behind the Lincoln home with another horse Lincoln owned called Old Tom. You think he has a naming convention? <laughs> and why old? I, mean, I don't does know. He not getting youngsters. <laughs> I couldn't find any reason why he named them all old. But uh, so Old Bob, following the 1860 election as president, and prior to moving to Washington D.C., sold Old Bob to John Flynn, who was a Springfield beer delivery driver. So he was delivering beer, old Bob was. And in 1865, old Bob had been put out to pasture. However, on April 4th of that year, he was brought out of retirement to participate in a parade in Springfield celebrating the capitulation of the Confederate States. In other words, the war was over. So the Civil War had ended, and he, old Bob, they dug him out of the pasture and put him in a parade. He was coated in red, white, and blue blanket for the occasion and went down the the, the city, uh, capital city of Richmond. So there you go. That was when they dug him out first. Then they brought him out of retirement a second time after the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. And old Bob was the horse that the saddles put on the boot backwards and all of that. Mm. Uh, old Bob was brought out of retirement for that. Henry Brown, an African uh, Methodist Episcopal minister and a friend of the Lincoln family, led old Bob during that procession immediately behind the hearse and in front of the carriage carrying Robert. Robert Todd Lincoln, who was uh, Abraham Lincoln's oldest son. It's funny because there are many reports, I didn't realize this, there are many reports that Robert Todd Lincoln, his oldest son, and old Bob, his horse, were the only two members of the family that were in the procession and at the funeral. I don't know if that's true, and I don't know why that is, but I didn't read any deeper than that. Well, I'm going to spend the rest of the day Googling this I know. because I'm fascinated <laughs> like, by it. Well, I didn't know we all go to the funeral. After the funeral, it is believed there were several attempts to acquire the horse by showmen who wished to put it on exhibition. Uh, but John Flynn, he wasn't having any of that, so he declined the offers to sell the animal, and old Bob lived his life at John Flynn's farm and finally did get a chance to retire and didn't drag him out anymore. They're not quite sure how old he lived to. There's no records of how old old Bob got. That's but, okay. Uh, he had quite a, a life. A, a home, a permanent home with John Flynn sounds good <laughs> enough to me. Yep. So he he got taken care of and he had he had quite the adventurous life. So uh, I'm totally going on like a rabbit hole search of a photo of old Bob. There is one, I think, and it was taken during the funeral procession. So there is one out there. I didn't find it this morning, but I know I've seen that before. If somebody has it, post it. Um, well, now that I know the story of Old it. Bob, it'll, and I see if I see that photo, I'll cry. Yeah, well, okay. or you could look up the story of Old Buck and uh, do it. Oh, wait a minute. You're already living with a buck. <laughs> <laughs> I am totally going to make him listen to the show, and you are in for it. Sorry, Buck. Yeah. Buck, you and I are old. I'm sorry. We're just old. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it is. All right, we're going to get to our horse health report right after we talk about our friends at Stateline Tech. On, on their website right now, I went over there, on, and they have, guess what, a St. Patty's Day special. Exclusive Stateline Tech 4-H gear. It's kind of their St. Patty's Day tribute here is 4-H gear because, you know, it looks like a four-leaf clover and all that. Uh, but they have 4-H gear right now at uh, Stateline Tech. They have a whole bunch of different 4-H gear, uh, most of it in green. Uh, blankets and sheets, leads, cross ties, lunge lines, slow feeders, boot bags, bridle bags. As a matter of fact, the boot bags and bridle bags are really cool coloring because they have the 4-H uh, plaid. So they really are reminiscent of today. Uh, but they have the complete line of 4-H gear. If you have a 4-H'er in your life, you can find everything they're going to need over at statelinetech.com. And they also have 40% off all Gatsby saddle pads today. 
Uh, so head on over there. They have them at twenty dollars, fourteen dollars, seventeen dollars. They have uh, ten di- or seven different selections of Gatsby saddle pads. They have mostly square in different colors and different, a little bit different shapes and square. But you'll find them all over there right now. The most expensive one they have is twenty three dollars. So that tells you from fourteen to twenty three dollars for your Gatsby pads. You know you can't have too many of them. You might as well just order them right now. I'm busy scrolling through their stable supplies page because. Um, hi, fun things. Spring is coming, you know, <laughs> Spring is and so coming. this is when we all, we all start, I, I don't care what part of the country you live in. And it's when it's spring, you start thinking about all the, the gadgets and gizmos you want to get for your barn. At least I do. And, uh, liquid roof tape, is something liquid that caught my tape. eye. There's so much stuff Never now that like, that. you know, the days of just pitchforks and wheelbarrows is long gone. There are all kinds of cool things that you can get for your, your barn. Liquid roof tape. That's new. Yeah. I've never heard of that. I know. You know, I know they have, they have, I bought roof tape for our camper, you know, to help seal some of the things on the roof, get, mm-hmm. get baked out in the sun here in Florida. Uh, I'm learning a lot about taking care of vehicles now with our new camper. I'm learning a lot about maintenance that I never knew mm-hmm. before. So Maintenance. Well, I should be doing that. We had a flat tire with, with a, a horse in the trailer the other day. Oh, really? So, yeah, I'm all over maintenance. You managed to get pulled off safely and everything? Yeah, it was honestly, I think there must have been divine intervention because of the way it all went down. Um, right around when the tire went completely flat, we pulled up to. Is this a single axle or double? An empty field. Um, single. Oh, this is two horse comparable. Yeah. But it wasn't the trailer that got the flat, it was the truck. Oh. Well, that sometimes yeah. can be worse depending on how out of control it gets, right? Yeah. 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 Thankfully, I'm. You know, I'm a freak show when I drive my trailer because I'm still sort of new at it. So I was doing like 12 miles an hour. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we were able to pull off the, the side of the road into a field, believe it or not. And um, thankfully, I had been doing all this trailer training with Susie lately to teach her how to um, how to go off property comfortably, safely. And so she stood on the trailer until our relief rig came and unloaded and loaded into a new trailer without a single problem. So... Did you change the tire? Did you get somebody to do it? We bought all new tires. We bought four <laughs> new tires. No, we have we have Geico as our insurance carrier, and they send roadside assistance. Really? And they were there in like 30 minutes. And oh. we're in a pretty rural area, so the fact that they got there in, you know, half an hour was pretty good. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm glad and- everything was good. Man, that's scary. That is one of the things we all, you know, worry about, isn't it? Oh, speaking of that, did you see the picture from yesterday? Of the truck hanging over the bridge? Oh, God. Yeah, that made me sick to my stomach. Okay, so everybody's seen that but right now. I, I just, I almost, I, you know, I wouldn't need a new pants. I almost need new pants looking at the pictures. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. The chains are, you know, we did this last week or the week before. We had a trailer guy on. It was the endurance episode with Karen. and we I talked listened about, to it. It was awesome. We talked about chains, didn't we? And so if you haven't seen the picture, you're one of 10 in the country, but it was a pickup truck hauling a camper just like ours, actually a little longer than ours, but the same make and model. Um, So what happened, they were going across this bridge in Idaho, I think, and it's uh, this gorge is 100 feet down. I mean, it's it's a high bridge and they lost control. Guy was uh, they were in their upper 60s, a couple lost control and his truck went up over the side of the bridge and off the bridge and the only thing what happened was when he went off the bridge I think the hitch disconnected but the chains wrapped around his axle in the back Mm 
and ripped his axle right off the side of the truck, his back axle and wheel. And the chains were wrapped around the axle and wheel, and that's what stopped the truck, which was pointing straight down, going down in this 100-foot gorge. Oh, my God. Now, I can't imagine hanging there thinking that you could go any second. Now, what also, talk about divine intervention, there was a tow truck that came upon it really quickly. They were just passing by and saw this all happen, and he hooked his hook up to the truck, and that's also what helped save it from from getting disconnected. But it was the trailer chains that saved him. That's one of those things where you're like, if I touch it, will it make it worse oh, or better? Can you imagine the rescue workers? They had to get the truck was hanging down. They had to get them out of the truck, so they belayed down. They got hooked up into, you know, their their harness gear and went down and hooked harnesses around. Now these are sixty year olds hooked harnesses around them and then winched them up. It's like, that's scary in itself. (laughs) I was like, where did this happen? Is it anywhere near me? And then when I saw it was Idaho, I'm like, oh, that's okay. (laughs) It's in Idaho. Idaho is nothing like Rhode Island. This will never happen here. (laughs) I didn't pick, you know, a could over that stupid bridge to Newport. Um, So, oh, God, yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. And it gets windy. They close the the bridges around here because of wind. I'm wondering if that's what happened here. There was no report as to why he lost control. All it said in the article I read, I read a couple of the articles that said that he, you know, his truck started swaying. He lost control. I don't know if he had. And I initially thought, because some of these camper people haul way too much camper for the size of truck. You know, they're they're over-campered and under-trucked. And this was a three-quarter ton. You know, it didn't look like that was the case. Uh, So I don't know. You know, some of those gorges, if you're going across, they get really windy in just one spot across the, you know, crosswinds. And I, I don't know if that's what happened or what, but wow. And then what kind of experience do you have correcting a rig like that out of um, a crisis. I don't you know? know. You know, the thing you're supposed to do, and this is very hard to do, is accelerate. Uh, you know, you accelerate out of it. And I had this happen once with a horse trailer with horses in it. And Jennifer was not in the truck. It was two horse husbands, me and another horse husband. And we were bringing the horses back for some reason. I don't remember why. Uh, but it was a two horse trailer. We were on the highway. We were doing probably 65 at that time. And th- the trailer started jackknifing. I mean, just was throwing us around. And uh, I did, it was very difficult to do. I did what they say to do, and that's accelerate. Because you, if you put on the brakes and it's jackknifing, the chances are you're going to wreck. You know, the right, trailer's going to come physics. up on you. Um, but this, this, when you accelerate, you're basically pulling the trailer out of its situation. And that's what I did, and we saved it. But I was I was shaking for a day. <laughs> it was awful. I know, see, now this whole conversation makes me want to go to trailer driving school. So I'm like, <laughs> I'd like to practice this, but my trailer is very expensive. So who has like a junky trailer that yeah. I can practice <laughs> yeah. doing this with? That we you can know, like, jackknife when, with. <laughs> when I was younger, my dad used to be like, let's go to the biggest parking lot when it snows and practice, you know, emergency handling in bad driving conditions. So that's how I learned to handle a car in the snow. You can't do that with uh, with horse trailers, I guess. There's a couple of reasons. I was reading yesterday about this, too, after this. There's two, and it, this is whether you're hauling a horse trailer or a camper, right? Uh, any kind of trailer. If you're under-trucked is the first thing. That's one of the big reasons that people get in wrecks. That, you know, the, a truck goes by, blows a trailer around, and you lose control. And it's just because you're, you don't have enough vehicle for the size of the camper or the 
horse trailer. trailer. And then the second thing is, and that happens a lot with people hauling with SUVs, right? And they think they're SUV. What happens is the dealer set that you, they go out and buy these big long campers and the dealer says, oh, that's plenty of truck. And they never look, right? To, they never look and see if it is plenty of truck. And most of the time it isn't. Uh, and they end up wrecking. Um, and then the other thing is bad tires. You know, the tires are going bad or they're, they're just not as good as they were. Even on this camper, they had the original Chinese cheap tires on them and I replaced them and it hauls better now with the, with the better tires. Yeah. So, I, my new tires, you can feel the difference. Uh, it is amazing, sure. isn't it? The tires. I'm, I'm stretching the limits of, I have a half ton. So we just bought a Chevy Silverado. Um, and I, it took a lot of time to find one that was built with the specifications that could haul my two horse trailer which is not very heavy, but it does have a dressing room. And since we use the truck as our daily driver, and also we have a limited budget, I couldn't move up to a 2500. So I'm like, how do I make this work? And uh, we got it to work. I had to take a lot of time to find out exactly the specs on this particular truck. And then we just had a weight distributing hitch put on it. I was just going to say, you got a WDH on it. Uh, Yep, yep. yep. And so what a difference. And uh, That makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, 90% of the time I'm going to be hauling one horse, so I'm way under When you're not anything. doing 12, 14-hour trips on the highway either, which makes no. a difference. Yeah. No, and we're not, we don't have lots of hills, and even if I have both Susie and Brody in the trailer, I'm still well under my weight rating and tongue weight and all that stuff. But it's um, it's a complicated equation that you need to figure out. And I think a lot of people, you're right, it, dealers, they just want to sell you a rig. Yep. And That's they, a horse trailer. Or, it doesn't matter what kind of trailer. It's the same, they're all the same when it comes right. to selling. <laughs> yeah, right. you can haul that with your truck. We yeah, look at no some problem. of these fifth wheel campers or horse trailers that are rated for half tons, they say are half ton you know, uh, approved. They are not. <laughs> they're yeah. just way too heavy. Way too heavy. Well, that was terrifying for everybody that hauls a trailer. The picture yesterday, <laughs> it, was, it was just terrifying. Uh, but anyway, the other thing that saved this one was the emergency brakes. Uh, so, you know, we we, often, we also talked about making sure your battery is good for your, your emergency brakes on your trailer. Uh, yeah. Make sure the cord's short enough in the battery. So go all go out and check your chains and stuff. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I listened to that episode and my trailer actually has a little battery indicator on the emergency brake. So I can that's press unusual, a button. That's unusual, actually. Yeah, that's it's, good well, that you do. My trailer's brand new. Yeah. Like, it's a 2020. So um, you just press a button and it'll tell you how, where it is, how charged it is. Huh. Yeah, ours doesn't have that. Ours is 2022. Look at that. Oh, you got a fancy you one. <laughs> What'd you get? <laughs> all right, let's go to our horse health report. Uh, we, again, we make fun of ulcers and we, we joke about it because, you know, anytime anybody says there's something wrong with a horse on a forum, people write it's ulcers. You know, it's always the first answer. So we, we joke about that a lot here on the show, but people really do have horses with ulcers. So we thought we'd find out the real thing. And that we did this interview a couple years ago. It's Dr. Slovis from Haggard Vet Center, but it was a very good interview and she was terrific. So we thought we'd replay this. I know a couple of the auditors have posted in it about it in the last week or two in the auditor room. So I hope this helps everybody to get reminded of the real story behind ulcers. It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report. When our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. 
And we have Dr. Slovis on the phone with us this morning. Good morning, Dr. Slovis. Morning. How are you guys doing? Great. Thank you so much for joining us. And what we're going to talk about today is something that plagues every horse, it seems like, on the planet. And that is a problem with having ulcers or gastritis, stomach inflammation, being uh, uncomfortable in the digestive system, I guess, was is how I'll broadly paint this. So uh, talk to us a little bit about what what type of horse, what are some of the behaviors, what are some of the things that you may see on a horse that would give you a clue that maybe it has some ulcers or, or stomach problems? Sure, sure. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the equine gastric ulcer syndrome, as we call it, we call it a syndrome because we're not really sure why it occurs. I mean, there's many uh, universities doing studies on this. Uh, syndrome, and I don't really call it a disease, because the big thing is gastric ulceration can occur in any breed. Mm -hmm. And just because you have gastric ulcers does not mean you're going to be, the horse is going to be clinical. And and some of the indications that maybe you need your vet to come on out to assess if your Mm -hmm. horse has gastric ulcers is chronic weight loss, um, colic signs, poor hair coat, um, decreased feed consumption. So when they used to eat several pounds of feed a day or, or be able to consume the hay in an adequate time frame and they now leaving half their hay or feed behind, you know, that could be an indication of some gastric ulceration. And so those are some of the broad signs that your horse may show if it indeed has some gastric ulcers. Okay, so then, the, you come out. I say, I say, oh, gosh, I, Doctor Slovis, I got to call him out because I got all those my horses doing all those things. And you come out, and what are you going to do with? I hand you, your, I hand your tech, um, the lead rope, and take it from there. What do you do? All right. So nowadays we're we're lucky because there's portable equipment, and there's some vets that do have these portable what we call gastroscopes. And what they do and what we have, we just have a colonoscope. It's what you would use in humans to do your colonoscopy. And we can use that same scope and use it in a horse. Now, it has to be about three meters long. But before we get to that, what we do, if your horse has all these clinical signs, we don't go and just all of a sudden do a gastroscopy. Okay. And gastroscopy is just a medical term of putting a scope into the stomach just like we put a feeding tube or a stomach tube into the stomach, same method, right through the nostril. They swallow it under light sedation, and we can look at the stomach. But what we do first, we need to do a good physical exam on your horse. There may be other indications for why your horse is going off the feed. It may have some low-grade colic signs due to some intestinal issues, some low-grade inflammatory bowel disease, or it could have some low-grade Uh, bacterial changes in the gut that are altering the way the the normal bacteria count in the intestinal tract. So you got more of an upset intestinal tract, not a stomach. Your horse may have pneumonia. Your horse may be ill with another disease uh, that we would have to look into and see what is going on. Now, once we rule out the other diseases, then we start looking into the ulcers. and so a good physical exam can catch a lot of these other diseases. And 
And so you need to do a good physical exam first. Maybe do some blood workup. So again, your horse may have a low-grade infection. But after you've done all that, and we're still not sure, and maybe we've changed some of your diet around. Maybe your horse can't eat high-protein grain. It needs to be more of a low-protein grain. Maybe that's why it's uh, not eating the feed well, because every time you give it a high-rich energy feed, it may upset the intestinal tract. So, again, need to rule out things first, and then we come to the gastroscopy. And if your horse warrants that, then what we do, we make an appointment, usually come into the clinic. Some veterinarians have equipment they can come out to your farm, and we, you have to withhold your horse from feed for 12 hours because the stomach has to be empty. That stomach can hold several gallons of food or water, and it can obscure or obstruct my view of the whole stomach because we've got to see every bit of that stomach to see if there's ulcers. And that's what we do is we pass a scope, we look on into the stomach, and then we also look into a portion of the small intestine called the pylorus or duodenum. And that's about as far as we can go. We can't really, you can't see the entire small intestine. You can probably only see uh, a few inches. Best case scenario, depending on the size of the horse, maybe a foot into the small intestine. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about all after the stomach because um, you just don't have a scope long enough. And so, but again, there's three meters of scope. It's a long scope. You know, it's nine foot scope. That is large. Gosh, yes. So, <laughs> nine foot long, just to get into that stomach. And then from there, we, we grade the ulcers. There's several grading schemes for the ulcers that we use. Um, uh, most veterinarians uh, handle the, the typical, typical uh, four grades of ulceration. Um, now, they've come out recently with grading up to five grades. So there's different ways of grading your ulcers so that we can, we as veterinarians can talk to each other and so we can just describe the ulcers in, in regards to grades. It goes one to four, zero being normal. One is meaning you got a little what we call hyperkeratosis. And that's like having um, calluses on your hand. You know, your stomach's been in an environment of maybe increased acid. So what happens, just the, the stomach lining or the mucosa, as we call it, becomes thicker. It's like you working hard with your bare hands without gloves on. You're going to get calluses. Well, guess what? Your stomach gets the same thing. Wow. And then next, next you get small single ulcers. And then that's grade two, grade three are large single ulcers or extensive or extensive small ones, mm-hmm. like a paintbrush pattern. And number four, they're deep ulcers. They're about to they could perforate. They're so deep. So that's how you grade them. And wow, unfortunately, unfortunately, it gets kind of tough as veterinarians because when you get ulcers, you can have a grade one which is just a small little, uh, excuse me, hyperkeratosis. That's like what we describe as calluses mm-hmm. on your hand. And that's an effect of the stomach due to acid. Some horses, they don't show any clinical signs with that. It's no big deal. While others can have a huge effect in regards to weight loss and not eating. So every horse is going to be different in regards to how they react. Because sometimes I go in there and I'm like, boy, this isn't that bad. I can't believe this horse is acting like this. There must be something wrong, else wrong. And there isn't, because I do an extensive physical exam. We put them on anti-ulcer medications. They come back in 30 days. That callus-like formation is gone. 
And the owners claim the horse is night and day better. So it's amazing how horses uh, react to different size ulcers. I can have some ulcers that are huge, and these horses have another problem going on, and it isn't the ulcers that are causing the horse to be, uh, you know, painful or stuff. So, again... Because you can only really hurt in one place, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when it comes to ulcers, we as veterinarians... We, we may see them, but then we've got to ask ourselves, is that significant or not? Is there something else going on that's creating these ulcers in the horse? Because anything that happens to the horse, they're so vulnerable to ulcers uh, compared to other species that just being stressed or having the water removed for 12 hours, having the hay removed for 12 hours can, can cause small ulcers, believe it or not, in some of these horses. Wow. And, so uh, what is the so what again, is the treatment? How can we how can we fix this? You you look at this horse, you're like, wow, it's got it's got ulcers. What are we gonna do? Yeah, so and so first thing you can do is you can look easy thing to do, not every ulcer needs to be treated with uh prescription products. The prescription products like GastroGuard, which is uh, uh the active ingredient is omeprazole, that's uh, a prescription product. And uh, but not every ulcers need that. If you got some mild ulcers, what you can do is after the horse gets fed grain, make sure they got a little alfalfa afterwards. That alfalfa has some calcium in there. And just think about your tums and other products that are out there. Calcium could be become a buffer for acid, and also at the same time, it makes your horse salivate more eating alfalfa. And our saliva has bicarb, which is just like baking soda in it. Mm-hmm. And it, it can help soothe the stomach. So which some is horses, what we recommend. <laughs> so. You got that right. So, 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 so <laughs> but what you could do is just end up uh, giving your horse a little alfalfa afterwards. But again, it all depends on can your horse handle alfalfa. You know, some horses get hyper on alfalfa or get colicky, gets too rich. But you don't need to give them a lot, half a flake, a couple pounds, you know, after uh, they, they consume their grains. So that's something simple you can do. Another thing you can do is really look back in your feeding program. Do you feed two large meals a day and that's it? Well, so that's a lot of oomph you're putting or, or pressure you put on the horse's stomach. They're used to being grazers, continually eating. So you may have to do is hang it, do one of those hay nets. That is one that has small holes in it, so it's called the slow feed hay net. There's a variety of different companies that make it. And they can chew on that all day long. They won't just consume it in two hours. They take their time. You can spread out your feedings to four times a day if you're lucky and can work at home or have a facility that you're bored at that can feed up more often. And you can turn it into a paddock or grazing. It's excellent to, to help with ulcers. So, so those are some things you could do. Simple. Now, if you have a severe one, and it's really deep, and your horse is showing significant signs, and you can afford it, then GastroGuard is excellent. The use of GastroGuard, which is omeprazole, you give that for 28 days. Ideally, you get another scope done to make sure it's healed. And if they heal, then sometimes you don't have to keep them on that product. You can take them off, and you just your veterinarian will help you adjust your feeding program to prevent that from happening again. Gotcha. Some horses are just prone to it, and sometimes you got to give them a full dose of the GastroGuard, and then eventually you can go to a quarter dose, and that's a maintenance dose, as we call it. And you may have to be on that before during competitions. And again, there's different ways we can help 
uh, implement these medication strategies depending on your horse's program. Sometimes we give the drugs before a big event, a couple days before the big event and during the show and then a couple days after the show, then we stop it because we know during shows your horses may get upset and get ulcers and it helps prevent the ulcer formation because once you get an ulcer, sometimes they're really tough to clear. And so it does take some medical therapy and a prescription from a veterinarian. And there's a variety, I mean, a variety of over-the-counter products that are out there now uh, that, what I mean over-the-counter, did not require a prescription that they're doing studies on. And so, uh, and it all depends, you know, more homeopathic type of treatments. And that's everything from... Uh, products like we have at our clinic at Haggard Equine Medical Institute called Reline GI. It's a polysaccharide mixture, homeopathic. It just coats the stomach and just oozes, inf- uh, relieves inflammation. There's other products out there, like a product called Succeed, you may have heard. It was a nutri- nutrient supplement that just came out with a journal that says that works. Um, you know, help prevent ulcers. So there's a variety of other products on out there. You can consult your veterinarian, and they can tell you what they think about it. There's so many, I can't even list them all. And and some people swear at them, and some people swear by them. So you got to really consult your veterinarian or your healthcare professional or your trainer about which ones they think over-the-counter has worked. But again, your veterinarian is going to have more, more of that knowledge mm-hmm. base. Absolutely. But, like my veterinarian but, but will I mean, prescribe the Kentucky Performance Products Nalox Advance for some horses that have gastric yeah. problems. So I mean, there's there's wonderful products. They're a sponsor of ours, and we just love their their products too. So uh, definitely a, a frustrating thing and something that everybody it seems like is dealing with. You know, at some point, and um, basically, what you need to do is just call Doctor Slovis at Haggard. He'll yeah, answer yeah, all exactly. your questions. Exactly. I'll get it done for you. I'll get it <laughs> well, done. How much is a farm called but, a Phoenix? <laughs> a farm called a Phoenix, uh, it's, it's relatively cheap. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, first class ticket there, I'll do it for free. You know, no problem. <laughs> in the winter, uh, not in the summer. In the winter. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. In December. In December. Yeah. All right. Well, Dr. Slovis, you're coming for Christmas. It's, uh, it's, it's decided. Thank you so much for joining us and talking about ulcers and gastritis and stomach problems and if anybody does have questions, you know, Haggard Equine is the place to go check out. You can contact them there. Well, it's time for a crappy list. We haven't done one of these in a while. Helena, I found uh, a, a crap. Actually, it's a pretty good list. It's not a crappy list, but that's just what we call the segment. And this was the real rules of dressage. I saw this posted a little while back. Somebody posted it on Facebook. And, and I you've ridden dressage, so I thought you'd get a kick out of this. <laughs> yeah, you could call it riding. <laughs> well, that's why I thought you'd get a kick out of this. Um, so we, there's 30 of these, so we'll go over a few of them. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we won't do them all. But the first one was, if you really want to get better dressage, take it up at an earlier age and grow an extra three inches of leg. And I threw that one in here because... Helena happens to be about five two. All the things like you do with an extra three inches of leg. <laughs> do I have any hosts that are over five two? It seems like y'all are five two. It's like <laughs> it's true. Wendy, Jamie, you. I got a lot of five two hosts. Yeah. Uh, now yep. Jamie says she's five two and three quarters. I don't know. Um, That's me. I'm five two and a half. <laughs> A dressage test is a test of your skill against another competitor's luck. Can't we say that about anything, though, really? Any kind of competition? True. Yeah. Yeah. 
True. We could say that about anything in life, really, if you want to think about it. Um, I like this one. If you want to end a drought or a dry spell, wear a new jacket and a hat in an outdoor arena. <laughs> Absolutely. Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law. Especially a shad belly you've just spent $1,200 on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh, and you know, the, the clothes, they just call to you new. Someone posted something in the auditors group about, um, she doesn't show, but there was this like sparkly green brow band. <laughs> it's like she would show just so she could use that brow band. I'm, I'm your people, girl. That's, that's me. I saw Reese, uh, in her new shad belly. She had bought one this year and Reese is the host of the dressage radio show and she had bought one this year. She's down at Wellington. And I, that's the first thing I could think of is, Oh my God, I think she's, and I joked about her spending $1,500 and she laughed it off and basically said that that, that wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot more than that. So it's like, Oh, oh God. 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 Expensive There's got to be a Shad Belly consignment store somewhere. <laughs> I was thinking, and oh if there isn't God. one, I'm going to start one. The first time your horse sneezes on it, I'd have a heart attack. <clears throat> Mike, I, I wear britches every day, whether I ride or not, because I'm forever hopeful. And they're black and gray because I know better now. Yeah, that's right. You, you no know, for the first time you swap, <laughs> you you take out your dump trailer hitch and you put your horse trailer hitch on, and that dump trailer hitch gets rust on your new britches. Yeah, no. Here's Black one that describes you and your entire life. Um, never keep more than 300 separate thoughts in your head before a test. <laughs> yeah, 301 would be. <laughs> That's accurate. Helena's entire life. That isn't just uh, that isn't just before a test. But Me you see too. how good I'm doing we're a today? lot alike that way, though. I have to I have to jump into that pool. Well, because I'm it's official. I I'm I ha- I am an attention deficit soldier, <laughs> and now I'm doing better. I like this one. Never keep less than another 300 separate thoughts in your head during a test. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot do anything with having the 300 thoughts in my head. Um, Jennifer says, why do you ride a bike? I I put one headphone in and I listen to podcasts while I ride my bike because I'll be out for an hour. And and she said, why don't you just enjoy it? Because I said, my head doesn't allow me to enjoy it. (laughs) No, it's true. You need to, in fact, you... You only sometimes the only way you can focus on what you're listening to is to be stimulated in another way. You need that the double stimulation in order to really absorb anything. That's true. That is true. I actually yeah. enjoy the scenery more when I'm listening to a podcast than when when I'm in my head because <laughs> that's yeah it's never good to be in there. Um, <laughs> no matter how badly you write a test, it's always possible to write a worse one. Well, that, that I can ain't. attest to that. <laughs> I, I think we all can. Uh, if it ain't broke, try shifting your position, and it will be. <laughs> <laughs> that increases as you get older. <laughs> Judges only suffer from temporary blindness when they are judging someone else's test. <laughs> That's true. That is so true. <laughs> um. If you fall off your horse in an arena, you will have paid to have the test or the test video. That'll be the time you, you pay to have the video guy there is when you fall off. And that's so true, too. No one cheats at a dressage because no one has worked out how to do it. <laughs> what would that even look like? How, how could you possibly? I don't know how you would cheat at dressage. Cheat at dressage. Other than, you know, doing something where you're cranking your horse and all that, you know, bad stuff. I don't know how you could pay. You could pay the judge. Oh, there you go. That's true. A little little cash under the table. That would be good. Or a little Venmo or PayPal these days. (laughs) 
If you think your no test contact was, bribes. <laughs> if you think your test was better than someone else's, it probably wasn't. Because they're all having the same thoughts too. They all think their tests suck too. So that's uh, like wearing a bathing suit at the beach. Like stop worrying about what you look like where people looking at you, because everybody's really worried about themselves. That is true. That's yeah. so true at the beach. You you always think you're always self conscious, but nobody cares. Nobody's looking at you. <laughs> yeah, they're worried about themselves. Yeah. They're not caring. Uh, clinics given by someone with an interesting accent are not necessarily superior those to given by the homegirl. So you're oh, yes, doing they clinics. Are. <laughs> Oh, yes, they are. I pay closer attention. <laughs> I know you do too, especially if it's like an Australian accent. Yeah, You're a female Australian accent. accent. I'm done. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> That's funny. Or an Irish accent or a Scottish accent or a UK accent. Any one of those would do. I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of, of male Australian accents. No, but the females are wonderful. They're just lonely. even Boyd, like, you know, you're cute and everything, but uh, <laughs> if, if your English is like Liam Neeson, you know, yeah. like I'll go back and listen to, <laughs> to the, <laughs> the commercial. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Several times. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Let's that's uh, that's just some of the uh, real rules of dressage that I picked out that I thought that you would like. All right. Let's uh, let's continue on with our Equiderma guest of the month. Her name is Molly Sherman. She's an inventor and has done a whole lot of other stuff. She's kind of like a little superwoman. Uh, she is inventing uh, at the intermediate level. She does show jumping competitions in the four foot divisions. Um, she's earned her USDF bronze medal. Now, you'd think now I'm talking about a 40 year old, right? No. She also enjoys working with Equiderma and, and doing product donations at local horse rescues. And she's in college. Yes, that's right. She's college age and has done all this. She goes to McDaniel College in Westminster. She's pursuing a degree in economics and environmental science and heavily involved in journalism, writing activities, and environmentalism. Uh, so, yeah. So she's a little busy, but uh, also she's accomplished all of that by college age, which just makes me sick because it takes me a long time, a lot longer to do any of that kind of stuff. It took me 52 years. <laughs> So let's meet Molly. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited for the opportunity. Yeah, you're kind of a badass supergirl here. I just read your <laughs> credits, and uh, I don't know how you've had time to accomplish everything you've had time to accomplish, and you're just in college now. But uh, good on you. Thank you. It, it takes a team, I'll tell you that. Well, you know, that you are our Equiderma guest of the month. We're going to talk a little bit about Equiderma later in the interview. But first, you're an inventor, you're a show jumper, you're, you've done a little dressage in your time. But now you're mm -hmm. in college. How do you how do you do full-time college and also manage a riding career? Um, well, I think it looks a little bit hectic from the outside, I have to say. Um, but a lot of it comes down to my mom helping a lot. We just have a small five acre farm um, with my horse and her horse. And she does like the barn chores every day. She was out there this morning, actually with a tractor, like dragging jumps out to our backfield that our neighbor lets us borrow. So I can get some practice like jumping um, in an open field. So a lot of it comes down to, to what she does um, to make it possible for me to compete. And then also, you know, be involved with school because, I have really involved myself in school for how much that I'm not there on campus. <laughs> Do you live at home? I live about half and half. So I have um, 
an affinity house, which is like a house associated with a club um, on campus with my friends. And then I stay at home. So it's, it's really about 50, 50. Has, has the COVID had the last year actually helped or hurt you as far as managing everything? I think in, in some ways it's helped um, because well, like for one, if I decide I want to stay a couple days extra at home, I can just come into class online. Um, whereas before it wasn't really an option. I would very much have to ride, wake up 6am, ride my horse and get back to campus before class. Um, and this definitely gives me more flexibility um, to decide where I want my schedule to go during the week. So, I, Molly, tell us yeah, about yeah. your your goals with your degree. You're pursuing a degree in economics and environmental science, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but you like to write because you're you sound like a girl after my own heart. Yeah, I really do like to write. Um, I'm the co-editor in chief of the Free Press, which is the McDaniel student-run newspaper. Um, I'm also a writing center tutor and on the editorial board for a literary magazine at our school. Um, so I've kind of tried to dive in with writing as much as I can. Uh, I think having a career in journalism takes a lot of guts. Um, and I was using it for a while to like get myself on track to a law career. But more and more, I'm just very much excited by journalism and the role it has in shaping our discourse. And it's something that I, I very much always want to be a part of my life. Um, and I think my experience with the econ and the environmental studies is really good practice at doing that research and that storytelling and starting a conversation between two fields that oftentimes don't make a lot of sense together. Molly, I have a job for you at Stall and Stable. <laughs> when can you start? <laughs> Tomorrow. Let's, let's do it. One more thing. <laughs> yeah. She has all this free time. Why not to add something to yeah. the list? And stick, by the way, stick with written journalism. It pays a lot more than podcasting. I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, so. Oh no, don't, don't sell all the NPR internships. I just applied to. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, you know, you're a, you're an eventer, uh, but you, you know, is, do you like eventing? Do you like, uh, show jumping better? Are, are you a true eventer at heart? Is that what you hope to do in the future? Um, I honestly think some eventers are just crazy. Like <laughs> to do what they do running at big fences is kind of mind blowing. And I think it's crazy that I've done it too. Um, <laughs> but I, I do love it. And well, right now I have a horse that really loves it and loves to, to run and jump in the fields. Um, I think I was a little dressage queen at heart. My mom was very adamant and making sure I get my foundation in dressage. Um, so for a long time, I was like, dressage is, is the key. And it is the key. It is foundational to everything else we do in the eventing. Um, and I, I do find myself back there sometimes. I think it's very, you know, artistic and, and scientific the way we train dressage horses. So I, I think that'll always be part of something that I enjoy. Um, but I, I'm very much going to go off of the horse that I have. And I know that this horse I have now, he can't be a straight dressage horse. Um, I think he would lose his mind a little bit. <laughs> Speaking of which, tell us a little bit about your horse. Yeah. Um, so I've had Charlie is his barn name for, I think, about four years now. Um, and when we got him, he was a little bit of a hellion. Uh, I think 
for like two years. I would probably cry every other time I wrote him. He was just, <laughs> oh, he was just terrible. He was so naughty. And um, before him, I just had like the horses sent from heaven, like the, you know, the best ponies that we got so lucky to find with our family friends um, that were just, you know, they show up, they do their job. They're great. Um, but then there was Charlie and we got him for the jumping. Um, and we also got him because we walked into the barn and I put my hand out and he started licking me and we're like, oh, we have to get him. Look how cute that is. <laughs> um, so he was bad for those first two years, but he's always had such a huge heart for jumping. And I think he's probably the best cross country course I've ever sat on. He's clever. He's game. He's an amazing little athlete, um, and he's always worked so hard. Every coach has said that he's not, you know, bad-hearted. He just doesn't understand, and he's really starting to click with the flat work, so it, it took a lot of time. Some days I don't understand how we kept him. We were close to donating him. I'll be honest. It was that bad, <laughs> um, but I'm so glad we have him now. He's, he's a cool little dude. Do you keep him at home, or do you board him at a facility? I keep him at home. I've always had a, a horse at home. Do you, what, if you were to give someone advice, like how do you keep him healthy? He's an athlete and he needs to be in tip top shape. You know, mm -hmm. you're working on his brain and what he understands. What would you say, um, how would you describe your horse keeping philosophy when it comes to keeping a horse of that kind of athletic ability comfortable mm -hmm. and happy at home? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, my mom has always said, and my coaches, it's program, 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 like being consistent with the fitness work, um, putting in that effort so that when they get to a show, they're feeling their best. Um, and I think that's one of the, the biggest parts of what we do to keep our horses healthy and safe. Um, but we also have always had like the best nutrition. My mom looks for the best hay, you know, we, we feed them Purina, which we find to be a really great food for them. Um, and then, you know, filling in those gaps, getting their joint support, getting their supplements. Um, Cordiflex is something that we've used since I was like 12 years old with my ponies when we first found it. Um, and then, you know, after you do all that kind of work, what we really look out for is the aftercare. Um, Terry Impson is this family friend that I've referred to a couple times, but she, she taught me how to take care of my horses after work. Um, so I've always known like liniments, um, icing, icing, you know, takes that heat away, reduces the swelling, um, cold hosing, you know, hosing and then walking that stuff that we do in the vet box at big competitions, but just, um, treating your horse like a champion because if that's what you want them to be that's the treatment that they deserve be honest now is your mom making you take economics because she wants you to learn how to not <laughs> spend her money so quickly is that the reason <laughs> i feel like that could be my dad's reason <laughs> um <laughs> which is not not a bad way to go about it <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about Equiderma. Uh, what do you obviously you use their products, right? Mm -hmm. What yeah. do you use and why? Um, well, Charlie is a thoroughbred. I didn't mention that, and so thoroughbred has probably already set off the oh my gosh, the sensitive skin. Um, 
So if there's a horse that's going to have a reaction or get upset about something, it's going to be Charlie. Um, so during the summer months, I've used that skin lotion a good deal. Um, he also has a amazing knack for getting the most ridiculous wounds, um, especially before competition. That's his, that's his favorite time to do it. Um, so using the, the wound care um, from Echoderma, the wound ointment that they have, um, that's been really important in getting Charlie's stuff healed and protecting him from bacteria getting in there. Um, but I think my favorite product is probably the neem shampoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure if you've used it yes. before, but oh my gosh, it smells like a spa when you're using it. Like I, I wish my product smelled that good. Um, <laughs> I think it, I think it has like, it has like chamomile and like cherry bark in it. And it, oh, it's just the wash doll smells so luxurious. Um, and it also keeps Charlie's coat looking so shiny, um, like way after the fact, like it's the only shampoo I've used where I don't feel the need to give a bath like a week later. I'm like, his coat is still healthy. Um, and I think that's probably because of the antioxidants in it and it, it prevents him from like needing to rub on the trees and his paddock out there. And yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Although I wish I could use it all the time because it really just smells that good in the wash stall. Well, there you, you go. When I go take a shower. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a raving endorsement and you can find it all at equiderma.com is where you can find all of their products. They do. I, I was told to mention that they do have the horse uh, fly spray now in, uh, in stock again. I know that was out mm-hmm. of stock for a little while. And in Florida, we live by their horse fly spray because we get the, we get, if there's a kind of fly, we get it here. Um, and if there's a yeah. bug that you don't have anywhere else, we have it here. Uh, and it just works on everything. So there you go. There's the the endorsement, and you can find it at equiderma.com is where you can find all of the products. Molly, thank you for joining us, and good luck uh, this year at school. Thank you so much. We, I appreciate it. I don't know how she gets any of that done. I would never never been able to do all of that at once. <laughs> Her mom sounds pretty awesome. Yes, exactly. Well, support is how you do that stuff, right? If, if she didn't yeah. have that uh, mom there that that family they're supporting, then it would never happen. But and something tells me that her mom enjoys every minute of it. Yes. I'm getting that impression too. We didn't ask if her mom was horsey to begin with. So, you know, that, that would have been interesting to know. Mm. Or if mom learned this along the way too, just because of her. You know, I don't know. It's interesting. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. We appreciate it. Helena, thank you for filling in. Where do people find you about your show? You can find all about me and my show at stallandstable.com. What do you got coming up or what did you just have on? Well, I'm in the middle of editing a show for it, which is supposed to come out either today or tomorrow. Uh, it's a conversation conversation that Jen and I had about hay. Oh, my wife Shall was on we? the show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. we, t- we talked for, it's only supposed to be a half hour show. Well, she and I talked for 50 minutes, so I'm editing it down. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you two get together. And <laughs> auditors, hang on, because we will be uh, hanging around a little bit uh, at, for an after show. I have some rather, well, I have some... 
limericks for you because it's St. Patty's Day. Not all of them safe for work. So uh, qualify that before we go into the post show <laughs> with the auditors. It's Stall and Stable. You can find it at any podcast place or you can find it on the Horse Radio Network app as well. You can find the Horse Radio Network app, iPhone or Android. Just download it there. It has all of our shows on it. You can listen to all of them there. Thanks to our sponsors, StatelineTAC.com and Equiderma.com. We appreciate them as well. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Alina. Thank you. Bye. Tomorrow's fox hunting episode. Jennifer and Tara will be here talking fox hunting. And then Friday, I have a special guest host, Lisa Waisaki. Okay, we are out. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. You're welcome. It was fun. So, uh, auditors, um, I have a couple of limericks here for you. Are you ready? These, because it's St. Patty's Day and Irish known for limericks and all that. I know. We can't do parades and pub crawls. I have to do, I have to do bad jokes. Okay. So, may the winds of fortune sail you. May you sail a gentle sea. May it always be the other guy who says this drinks on me. There was a girl from Rabat who had triplets, Nat, Pat, and Tat. It was fun in the breeding, but hell in the feeding, when she found out she had no tit for Tat. Oh, but I'm bumped. A brewery worker named Lee drowned in a vat of brewski. I regretfully say he did not drown right away. He climbed out five times just to pee. (laughs) There's yeah. my bad limericks for the day. That's I have to agree that <laughs> Do you like pretty... beer? Do, I don't remember. Do you like beer? No. I well, like... I did for a while. You know, I can convince myself to like anything if I have enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of beer. I although we haven't really not been drinking at all in this house. If I do drink, I like a glass of white wine like or wine. red wine. Yeah, you like wine, I know. Or tequila. Or good whiskey. Yeah, I don't. I didn't remember you drinking beer. I remember drinking other stuff when we would go out. Yeah, yeah. and I, I've never been a big drinker. I'm not because yeah, I can't hold my alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always one or two drinks and done. <laughs> yeah, Schisner. exactly. Uh, mostly because I'm buying fruity drinks that are an entire gallon to begin with. You know, margaritas yeah. and stuff. <laughs> so. a- anything with sugar in it is never a good idea. Sugar and alcohol do not. But that's Do the nice only kind of drinks I like is sugar and alcohol. I'm a well, you're going to have to figure something out, buddy. Like strawberry daiquiris. Now, those I can have a few of. And champagne. I can drink a whole bottle of champagne. For some reason, I can I do really champagne. Like champagne. Yeah. yeah. Prosecco is uh, kind of what, because it tends to be drier. I, anything that's sweet, it gives you a headache. It's confirmed. Sugar Not and alcohol. Not the Martini and Rossi, so I go a little sweeter. Ooh. Yeah. It's like you might as well just have like a cannoli. <laughs> Which sounds pretty good right about now. Yeah, it now. does, actually. <laughs> like, I'll have a cannoli with whiskey. That would be a beautiful dessert. So we sometimes talk about food in the post-show. Have you have, have you or Buck made anything interesting lately? Well, Buck is the cook. I do nothing. <laughs> I, I, I make pizza every once in a while. I made it last night, and I burned it. She's the only <laughs> Italian in the world that doesn't cook. Yeah. It's true. Well, I cook only Italian food. And That's when true. I cook Italian food, then I cook it pretty well. We've eaten at your Buck. house, and it's been good. Oh, Buck made it. That's right. Buck, he makes really good stuff. He made, um, his daughter came over last weekend and he made farro, which is like this, it's kind of a mix between like a pasta and a rice. I was say, it's I a pasta, know. right? Kind of. I guess so. I don't pay attention. I just eat it. 
Oh, it was so, it was cold. It was like a cold salad. It was so good. So what's he cook a lot of? Does he like to cook any particular thing or does he play around? Fish. Oh, fish. Yeah? Yeah. All kinds of fish. Um, and he's a master with, with fish on the grill. So we have um, tuna, we have swordfish, we have a lot of salmon. We eat something called Arctic char, which is a little less um, salmon-y. <laughs> uh, it's actually a kind of trout, I think. And we eat a lot of shellfish because, of course, we live in the in ocean state. Yeah. So I know Buck's always shrimp. disappointed when we come up because we don't eat fish. So. <laughs> so That's okay. He's happy to do something different. He just likes to cook for people. It's in his heart. It's funny. I had Wendy on a Monday, and Kyle, I don't know if you noticed the pictures, but Kyle cooks everything. I mean, he, yes. he just makes the most incredible – he smokes things for 20 hours, and you know, he's just always making this incredible food. Uh, you horse women, you got to marry guys that cook. No kidding. It's rec- I've been using the Instapot a lot lately. I have been doing a lot of Instapots. Um, mainly because Who does more of the cooking, you or Jen? Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. She makes two or three things, and that's it. Well, she's a horse person. And yeah, she's, she's, who's she's, got time to cook? <laughs> so that's I why come I come in dirty. Like we time it so that I'll be out, you know, finishing uh, barn chores, and Buck's like, "How much longer?" I was like, "I'll be done in fifteen minutes," and then I come in, and dinner is on the table. Like, how crazy awesome is that? We found a place. So I was looking a little while back. I asked the listeners uh, what they were using for the shipped meals. You know, they get them shipped and you cook yeah. them or whatever. And I had tried a couple of them. And the problem was you still had to cook everything, right? So you still had, they gave you all the ingredients, but it still took a half an hour to cook everything. Like, like Blue Apron you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, Blue Apron or one of those, yeah, right? That's what uh, I said. Like, why bother? Yeah. I can pull ingredients out of my cabinet. Well, there are some now that are sending you the, it's kind of like frozen dinners, right? Except they're good. Yeah. Well, we found a local one here in Ocala called Doing Dinner. And we we love doing dinner now. Uh, so what they they make homemade dinners that they they freeze in these containers, and you go or you can get them fresh. You don't have to have them frozen either way. You go and you just pick them up, uh, and we'll pick up six or eight at a time. But they have really good dinners of all different kinds of stuff, and they're all freshly made, and they make everything there right there in the place, and uh, it's so good. And the meals, Helena, are five to six dollars. Oh, wow. We, you can't eat out for what they're selling those for. So we'll get six or eight of them, and it'll cost 40 bucks. <laughs> and they're really good filling dinners. And it's like eating real food. Like last night, she had, um, she had pasta primavera with chicken. And mm. I had, what did I had last night? I had the turkey stuffing. I had turkey dinner, basically. Um, and... It's it's so good. <laughs> and you heat it up in the microwave for four minutes, and you're good. It's so I, I'm nice. always a little skeptical of anything you can heat up in the microwave. I'm telling you, this is wonderful. Okay. Oh, it's so good. I, and it, for the price, you can't beat it. I mean, so even when we go camping now, we just get a couple of those to bring along. Because, you know, even if you go out doing stuff all day, even when you get back to the camper, you don't feel like cooking. So, uh, you so, know, that's something I didn't think about. If you're traveling in a camper or in an RV, you still have to deal with food. Yep. Well, you have a refrigerator in your camper, yeah, right? Yeah, we have a fridge. Yep. So, 
And, and you can cook. And we can cook. And, you know, when you're camping most of the time, if you're not doing anything during the day, you want to spend time cooking. That's when, when you have time to cook, right? Yeah. Um, but if you're out hiking or you're doing something all day and then come back to the camper, then you don't feel like cooking. So that's where these right. instant meals just come in great. So if you're in Ocala area, I would say doing dinner is wonderful. It's right in town, right near the t- uh, Walmart in town. You just stop and pick it up, and it's f- so cheap compared to the others. I love it. So there you go. There's my recommendation for all those that live down here. Okay. For all two of you that are listening right now. <laughs> I, got, I have got no re- – we live in such a you know, like little town that um, we have to drive. It's 12 miles like to the nearest restaurant. Is the ice cream place still open? I mean, in the summer? So, Did you no, lose the ice not, cream place? Not the place we went to, but the guy who owns the gas station around the corner, he had to have his gas tanks – dug up there's like this big environmental law that had to happen (laughs) well they had to replace them well now there's this huge problem and he can't put gas tanks back in and so the gas station is no longer open so he bought this trolley it's like an old-fashioned trolley and he set it up where the gas tanks used to be and He's now selling ice cream from the trolley because the other <laughs> ice cream place. Ice cream trolley. <laughs> because the other ice cream place had the same. That used to be a gas station, and that they also had to dig up old tanks because of this environmental law. And then they discovered other septic problems, so the original ice cream place couldn't reopen. So you got all kinds we, of pollution going on, going on up there. You got all kinds of shit going on. I'm like, I just want my ice cream. So the I, trolley has been okay. Not great, but okay. We one of my favorite pictures of all of us together was eating ice cream at your place. That's yeah. One of my, I think I posted it here recently. It's one of my favorite pictures. So the ice cream comes from the same place though. So oh, good. the origin is so the ice cream is good. The ice cream is good. It's just the ambiance is a little different at the trolley. It feels more like you're sitting in a gas station eating ice cream. <laughs> Old school, you know, 1970s. Little Compton is the land that time forgot. I mean, we are it is not kinda, modern. Actually, it's very old New England. Yeah. It's, it's it's cool that way, though. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate, appreciate you stopping by. Take care, auditors. Ciao. If I could find the stop button, I'd hit it. Where is it?